Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. Thank you for joining us. We are in part three of the series, Apostasy and the Antichrist, and today we're looking at ultimate warnings from the early church and from Scripture itself. As I mentioned last episode, the prime warning about the apostasy and the Antichrist is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. St. Paul writes, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion, that's apostasy in the original language, unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness, that's the Antichrist, is revealed, the son of destruction. Now, let me read to you how this passage is mentioned in the current lectionary within the United States. It starts with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the second coming. Verse 2, don't be shaken in mind or uh, by spirit or word by a letter purporting to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come again. That's the second coming. And then the lectionary goes on in verse 3 and says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come. That's it. It stops in the middle of verse 3, saying, That day, what day? The day of the Lord, the second coming of Christ, will not come, period. Whereas the verse three says, unless the apostasy happens and the Antichrist comes, but we're left without a warning of the apostasy, without a warning of the Antichrist, and a verse that's twisted 180 backwards and declaring that the day of the Lord, the second coming will not come. That's a major problem. It's scandalous that it's that way. The warnings about the Antichrist are given in Scripture because it's perhaps one of the most serious times in the entire scope of human history we could find ourselves. I'm going to have for you here two warnings about the apostasy and the Antichrist that comes from the early church. They're not in Scripture, but they were two writings that were very widely read by early Christians, very often cited, and even sometimes kind of put in the, um, the Bible, the New Testament, kind of as an appendix after the book of Revelation. The first of these is the Didache, which simply means the teaching, the teaching of the 12 apostles. And this very brief, very potent little early church document probably a writ, the first versions written during the first century. Chapter 16 talks about the end times, and it goes like this. Watch for your life's sake. Let your lamps not be quenched, nor your loins unloosed 
but be ready, for you do not know the hour in which our Lord comes, but often shall you come together seeking the things that are befitting to your souls. This is the one next phrase I want you to hear very carefully. For the whole time of your faith will not profit you if you are not made perfect in the last time. In other words, if you make a mistake regarding the apostasy and go along with the Antichrist, then say, uh, say if you're 95 years old when this happens, and for 94.9 years, you've lived your life as a faithful Christian, and you come up to this one point and make this error, everything before, all the 90 plus years, will mean absolutely nothing. And it says further, for in the last days, false prophets and corruptors shall be multiplied, and the sheep shall be turned into wolves, and love shall be turned into hate when lawlessness increases. In other words, what's going to happen is that the whole environment in the culture and in the church, it says there are going to be false prophets and corruptors turning sheep into wolves, and there's going to be persecution, and then appears the Antichrist. And the earth shall be delivered into his hands, and he shall do iniquitous things which have never yet come to pass since the beginning. Then the creation of men shall come into the fire of trial, and many shall be made to stumble and shall perish, but they endure in their faith shall be saved. This is a call for the endurance of faith. And this is why in the early church, catechesis and summaries of the apostles' teaching included this. There's come a time called the apostasy when wickedness increases, when there's false teachers in the church justifying all kinds of immoral acts, and then because you're weakened internally and mass numbers of Christians will be weakened internally, they'll adhere to the Antichrist. And unlike every other thing you do in your life, uh, the catechism says there's nothing basically you can do with a sincere, repentant heart that God will not forgive except this one thing. Once you do this, there's no turning back. It's an eternal decision. And this is the this is the big turning point in human history. And that's why new Catholics were instructed about the Antichrist. And I don't know, but I kind of doubt if our CIA includes uh, classes warning about the Antichrist. And yet this was done in the early church. Why? Because this is the eternal decision and there's no going back from it. Okay. Let me read that one sentence again. For the whole time of your faith will not profit you if you're not made perfect in the last time. In other words, if you succumb to the apostasy and the Antichrist, um, you're not going to be in heaven, okay? Next is from the epistle of Barnabas, and this is chapter 4 of this epistle, is on the Antichrist. Now, 
a Barnabas is very frequently grouped uh, with the writings of the early church fathers. It was written fairly early. Uh, the epistle has the name of St. Paul's companion, Barnabas. Um, most early fathers don't believe it was actually Barnabas who wrote it, but some did. But it's very interesting. One of the most important findings of Old and New Testament manuscripts were found at Mount Sinai in St. Catherine's Monastery by a man named Tischendorf. And in those manuscripts, the New Testament manuscript had the New Testament, complete New Testament as we have today. And then right after the book of Revelation was Barnabas. So it's kind of like your, um, your handbook, and it was inspired writing, so to speak, but it's not scripture. And this is what he says. I only have one sentence, but I want you to know this was highly regarded in the early church. And I'm going to read it now. We take earnest heed in these last days, for the whole time of your faith will profit you nothing, unless now in this wicked time we also withstand coming sources of danger as become the sons of God. Barnabas obviously felt that the last times, the last, last times were upon him, but the the principle here is that no matter how faithful you have lived and for how long you cave on this, there's no second chances to repent from taking the mark of the beast. And so all of us have to finish strong. And this goes right along with Scripture. In Revelation chapter 14, there are three angelic messages for earth and they all deserve to be carefully heeded. And the third message, the climax of these three messages in Revelation 14, starting in verse nine, another angel, a third, followed saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or his hand. Now remember, the book of Revelation wasn't written for Caesar. It was written for Catholics. It was written for faithful believers in the first century. So if a Catholic takes the mark of the beast, what happens? Verse 10, he shall also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured out unmixed into the cup of his anger, and he shall be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and the faith in Jesus. We absolutely have to finish strong. And that's why these repeated warnings are in Scripture. This is part of why I'm doing Luke 21. Um, there's a lot of nutcases claiming all kinds of things about biblical prophecy and private prophecy and everything else, and yet the early church concentrated on these things. And we're living in a time of apostasy, if it's the great apostasy, 
it's kind of hard to put the definitive ruling on that, but we're definitely in a time of apostasy. Sheep are being turning into wolves. We have false teachers. We have corruptors. And the idea is you have to be very strong in that time. And to be perfectly honest, uh, I've spent probably a lot more time than most Christians in these types of subjects and read of the type of things the Antichrist is going to do for those who receive his mark. And I just, I have to ask myself, could I withstand any of that? And uh, the reason is, uh, or my answer is, I I really don't know. Um, I can't quite see the type of torture that somebody could come that so deeply hates God and hates everybody who has God in their heart and mind. And yet I take hope in this, that I understand in the early church when when Christians were thrown into the Colosseum to be eaten by lions. Think about that. I mean, we all like to go to the zoo, but we don't like to be eaten by lions. And, you know, from my reading, who did so well in the Colosseum? It was women and children. There was no Rambos. Rambos caved. They had things that would easily take out Rambo that were greater pain than Rambo could take. But women and children and those who say, you know, it's not up to me. I have to have somebody else's strength to endure this. That's what's called faith. And Jesus, through faith, gives strength for us as long as we're alert and strong to live through the last times. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Catholic Bible Prophecy with Luke 21. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.